Welcome to Design This, Beyond the Dialogue. My guest has co-founded several cannabis companies, including Bloom Dispensaries, Trike Companies, Reef Dispensaries, Ignite Cannabis Company, and Green Axis Capital. Now he is Cannabis Industries advisor and co-founder of the Metaverse Canaland. My guest is Matt Morgan. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thank you for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. Well, you're a bad man. I'm just, I'm just, you know, reading through all, all the accolades. You've done <laughs> a lot. Very, a, very impressive. I've been a busy boy. Uh, I've been grinding for 15, 16 years straight. Wow, man. Yeah, well, I, I'm 37 since I was 20, so 17. You started at 17? No, I, I, I'm 37. I started when I was 20 is when I kind of became a, oh, okay, gotcha. a little entrepreneur. I dropped out of college when I, after 10 days and kind of fumbled around for a little bit and then call, have found my calling as, uh, you know, building companies. Ten, 10 days, you were like, I've had it. <laughs> Bro, I figured out traditional education wasn't it. Real quick. I got my education okay, from... I... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's fun that you say that because I think that's like our whole next generation. I think there's a lot there's a lot of question about traditional education and the fact that education hasn't evolved significantly. No, it's a, like it's archaic. Um, I got my education from books that I chose to read and from mentors, you know, people I looked up to, people I aspired to be like. So I, you know, I started reading. I read a Tony Robbins book called Awaken the Giant Within when I was 12 years old. Made me start really reevaluating everything, how it worked. And I read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was 16. Then I read I Think and Grow young. Rich. Uh, when I was 18 and how to win friends and influential influence people when I was 19. And I was like, all right, this, you know, the, the traditional way of thinking inside the box, go get a, a degree, you know, get on the hamster wheel and call it a life. Like that's, that wasn't it. And this is before social media or anything. Like the first text was sent socially, like when I was a senior in high school. So I didn't have any of the stuff mm. the kids had today. Like the internet was even very infantile. Like when I graduated high school, we, we didn't use it that much. So, you know, when I was a kid, the teacher would go around to class and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kids would be like a doctor, an astronaut, a lawyer, a, a scientist. And nobody ever said, I want to be an entrepreneur. Nobody knew what that was. <laughs> so, um, you know, now you go in a classroom, middle, middle, middle school or whatever it may be and ask a kid, I bet you 80% of that class is they want to be an entrepreneur. But, you know, that's due to social media and everything else. So I'm, I'm just... You know, I'm like an older millennial. I'm 37, but I'm glad that I was able to kind of help kind of lead the charge and trailblaze and give exposure to all these kids of what's possible without traditional nonsense that and the conformity that they put you in from a from a young age. Wow, that's a great perspective and, and a great starting point for this podcast, because we're going to be jumping into some very futuristic and we, we talk about the future, but it's really today, right? So I'm really interested to hear what you say about some of the work that you're doing, especially in the metaverse. Um, All right, so for sure. Just to, I'm gonna kick things, I'm gonna kick things off. Just to uh, tell our people a little bit about Candleland, but uh, I'm really excited to hear from you on this one. So, All right, on cool. the Candleland, the Candleland platform, it's powered on the blockchain, and it allows instant purchases of real estate, land parcels, NFTs, as well as other digital assets using Candleland tokens, a cryptocurrency providing transactional utility within Candleland. So talk to me about how this came together and what you're looking to do to stand out in the metaverse. So I've always just been on the cutting edge, no matter what I'm doing. You know, I like to disrupt verticals, cannabis. Uh, I got involved in 2008 when I was 23 years old. I said, this is the next big thing. Nobody believed me. 
you know, 10 years later, I built a billion dollars in cannabis companies. So, um, and I use things early on, like blast text messaging, email lists. I, I like treat it like a real business, like a, and I was blasting my, my, my database all the time to generate sales. Then I went on to social media and I started, I was a very young CEO. So I started leveraging social media very aggressively before anyone else was. I started getting guys like Wiz Khalifa and Burner on my squad and we started leveraging their followings. So I was just always kind of a young operator, young CEO. And I was always using the latest and greatest technology to where the older guys that were for their 40s, 50s or 60s were kind of still stuck in the mud, you know, with the traditional ways. Again, it's innovation always yeah. wins. So as far mm -hmm. as Candleland, um, so they asked me to speak at a at a cannabis conference, which is nothing new, but it was during um, August of 2020. And I'm like, they're like, yeah, I come in and speak at this thing in front of thousands of people, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who in the world is having a conference right now? This is crazy. I'm like, what's the date? So they're like, oh, it's yeah. from September, September to December. I'm like, what? There's like a four month conference. This is September stupid. So, <laughs> so I call them. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be a keynote or whatever. And um, they're like, yeah, all right, just build an avatar and we'll see you in the metaverse. I'm like, what is going on here? So I did the avatar. <laughs> I'm in my sweatpants at my house, just chilling. And I start cruising through this cannabis conference. It's in this island, like on this like floating thing. And I'm like, I'm a, it's in digital. I'm like, but all I'm right. going up to the vendors like I did a normal show. It's the same vendors. And I start talking to people with my microphone it's the same people i know at the real show it's just the digital version so then i get up and i give a speech in front of i don't know how many people a lot and it was all digital i did it with my sweatpants i'm like dude this is the future i was like you yeah. gotta start building <laughs> i was like we gotta start building virtual reality, reality dispensaries like like uh some vr i was like mm -hmm. people need to start shopping in this web3 immersion and it wasn't there yet nobody was talking about the metaverse um but it was like my first glimpse into what this could become so mm -hmm. we just started chopping it up with some different bankers and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, they, they were like, let's expand on the idea of a virtual reality dispensary. And why don't we do a whole cannabis world? And I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, that's how it kind of came to be. Um, and it was just, it was an, it was an idea back in 2020 and it finally came to fruition and, you know, uh, late, uh, late 22. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's uh, yeah. I think it's going to change the game, bro. I, you know, I see what Amazon did right with their delivery model. They, they crushed traditional brick and mortar retail and uh, mm. this will be no different. You know, I don't know if you shop for cannabis online, but it's a miserable experience in today's world. Yeah. And 30 percent of cannabis sales are, are done online and that, that will only increase. So instead of looking at little thumbnail pictures that you can barely see what it is and you're ordering something on a on a faith. <laughs> you'll be actually immersed in a virtual dispensary and you'll be able to look at the products that will look very, very close to what will be delivered to your house. Yeah. And there's something to speak about, you know, taking those in real life experiences and translating them into a virtual experience, because like, like you said, they can feel really similar and it doesn't mean that everything that you do has to be in a, you know, in a virtual experience, but it can be. Yeah. No, you know, I grew up in the nineties, right? I'm a nineties kid. So there was like, not a lot of technology and i cherish those moments when there was no technology but this is just the way the world's going and so i like to get in front of wherever we're heading and whether we like it or not you know buckle up we're going digital and so uh, this solves a lot of real world problems too um i don't really do a business like this it solves real life problems and there's a lot of real life problems in in the in the call it the real cannabis world now let's talk about some of the problems that are being solved so um, so take me into the cannabis experience or in Canaland, right? So you get into Canaland, there's an opportunity for you to learn more about yeah, the so, weed that you're buying. 
Go for it. So like there'll be education, right? I get asked millions of questions about cannabis. So you can go to your little cannabis university. There'll be classes on anything under the sun that you can think of how to bake cannabis brownies, how to grow weed, the different genetics, how they, how they affect you differently. Indica sativa, pharmaceutical grade versus medical grade versus recreational. Uh, the different, you know, the, the, the different studies going on in Israel and beyond. Like I want people to have access to all educational format of cannabis, no matter what they're trying to learn. Um, and a lot of times people don't even know where to go to find that information. So we're trying to create a, mm -hmm. a cohesive environment inside of Canland where you can learn anything you want about the cannabis plant. From there, you can go and take tours of digital cultivations that look very close to what a real life cultivation would look like. People are always intrigued with, you know, the back end of a cannabis operation and how that works. They're just so mesmerized by fields or by indoor space station looking cultivations. So bring a lot of people to kind of tour what that would look like in a virtual format. Um, you can go to, we're going to have entertainment and concerts, you know, maybe it'll be like a Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg or something like that for entertainment purposes. And obviously, you know, you'll be able to go into your, your favorite dispensary or your favorite branded store, depending on what brand you love and just shop, man, just pick up the, you know, mm -hmm. pick it up, look at it. It'll, it'll feel very real life. And uh, you fill up your basket. You can talk to a digital bud tender for as long as you want, which will be another real person sitting at their house behind a computer. And uh, you know, it'll, um, It'll, I think it'll, I think it'll change the game. I mean, like I said, when I first started in this game, nobody shopped for cannabis online. Now a third, one out of every three people does it online. So I see that trend only continuing. And I think that trend will accelerate if there's a, a, a more immersive shopping experience online for cannabis products. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that, that education piece is, is probably the most critical because what you're doing is gamifying an experience. And people are learning so much more and so much faster and it doesn't feel like school. Right? Yeah. Especially when you're learning about something you love, you know what I mean? It's more of a passion thing. Like yeah. I hate learning about things that I want to learn about. Like that's, those are problems with school. They're like, you got to take a class in this. I'm like, I don't want to learn about that. That's not going to help me in the real world, mm -hmm. but you have to get these credits. I'm like, no, I'll go get my credits elsewhere. So I started spending a lot of time at Barnes and Noble and just read the books that I wanted to read to acquire certain skill sets. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, man. So Candleland, uh, I think it's going to be extremely disruptive to to the digital cannabis space for sure, which will translate over to the brick and mortar cannabis space as well. Absolutely. So let's let's spend a little bit of time there in the translation between like what's happening in Candleland and how that impacts like real life. And so because um, a lot of people think that what happens in the metaverse is, you know, stays in the metaverse. But um, <laughs> talk, talk to me about. No, I, I think we're bridging we're bridging the gap between real life and the metaverse. I'll give you some prime examples. Banking for cannabis operators is a nightmare. Uh, FDIC doesn't allow large banks to take cannabis deposits. So all the big banks, you can't bank there. You have to find a state chartered bank or a, a more of a localized bank. Um, this will allow banking because the currency is actually the Canna token. So you can, uh, you know, you'll be using that token as the currency inside of Canna land where you know the operator will be have a wallet and they'll be able to accept canna tokens and hopefully we can stabilize the price on the token and everyone uh, becomes happy another thing um marketing let's, and let's, go ahead uh, i was i was just gonna spend a, another second on the tokenomics behind Candleland because you mentioned the token right so yeah for, for people that are listening and don't necessarily understand uh you know crypto or tokenomics or this kind of thing um the canna token is a is a token specific to canna land correct but, um but it allows you to make transactions within 
the platform and then um so talk about the like so once you so you have a certain amount of you invest into the Canaland token then you have a certain amount of Canaland tokens or Cana tokens and then you're able to use those um to make transactions within Canaland um with those things that you have to offer and then um so what happens after that so you, you have so a Canaland token you make the transactions there's actually back end providers now um that will will switch from crypto to fiat within a within a second's notice so there's there's credit cards that you can use cryptocurrency on in the real world now because of because they can flip back and forth between fiat and crypto this will be very similar on the back end and my goal is to actually have a canna credit card over time that you can use in dispensaries so you could use your canna token on that card inside of dispensaries but we're that's, you know that's that's that's, that's aspirational that's right one. so yeah. if that would fix the whole financial issue within within cannabis but for now, let's say that all right, you transfer Ethereum, Bitcoin, stable coins over to Canaland. Uh, you, you can can then convert those into Cana tokens, and you can use the Cana token inside of Canaland for anything. Whether you're going to a concert, whether you want to pay for classes, whether you want to get some digital apparel, whether you want to buy a parcel or land inside of Canaland and be someone that you know hangs out there all the time, build some cool structure, a house, whatever it may be. You want to go into a dispensary or a branded store. Maybe you go, want to go. Uh, you know, to Stizzy's store, for example, you go in there, start shopping, uh, build a basket, and then use Canna tokens as the currency to purchase that. Those Canna tokens will then transfer to the owner of that store, and they can flip, keep it as Canna tokens, or flip it to a different token, or flip it into fiat. Um, and uh, that I believe should streamline the financial issues within uh, within cannabis. You know, I got kicked out of a lot of banks when I was doing cannabis because I was running such high volumes. And, you know, mm -hmm. when I was doing nine figures in revenue a year, they kicked me out of every bank. So I was, I was operating in multiple states. So I was running a cash business doing over $100 million in revenue. And I had 500 employees. So I, was, I had to do payroll in cash. It was a nightmare. Um, so I don't want anyone to have to go through that, those issues. And the security of it. You have 10, 20, 30 million bucks on you or in your facility. It's, it's very dangerous. And so I think it's criminal how the government's treating this and not offering regulations to help with banking and, and other things. Mm -hmm. absolutely so um one of the things that we talk about is adoption this is this is in crypto in general right and um, yep. and how the adoption the adoption curve in different countries how it's doing here in america um and not not to uh, compare canaland to meta but um there was an article recently in the wall street journal about uh, meta's horizon world and yep. they were they were just saying how it's gaining little consumer interest according to internal documents they hope to reach half a million monthly active users, but by the end of 22, Horizon World only attracted less than 200,000 users so far. So, so um, I was I wanted to ask you about Candleland's adoption and what do you think? Yeah, you think so I, I'd like to address all this. First of all, I don't think we're ready from a mental or a technological standpoint to fully dive into a metaverse type of situation as human beings. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're mentally adapted or fit for that yet. I think everyone doing it now is very early. Like Decentraland, for example, my buddy built Decentraland um, and they have the Mana token, right? So that this a lot, Candleland will be with the Canna token will be similar to how Decentraland operates, but there's not a whole lot of users in Decentraland at any given time. The mm -hmm. reason is what are you doing in Decentraland? What real world problem are you solving in Decentraland or in meta? What mm -hmm. besides hanging out in a digital format? There, yeah. What we're doing with Candleland is we're offering a better version of an online shopping experience if i have the option to just go to some company's website and click on some little thumbnail pictures and pray to god some good product shows up 
or I can immerse into a digital world where I can go shopping and actually see a very good representation of what I'm going to be getting. I'm going to pick the one that's more immersive because mm-hmm. we're actually, you're actually shopping for a real product that's going to get delivered to your door that day. Similar to Amazon. Amazon's still very web too. It's very flat. Eventually you'll go through digital worlds in Amazon and, and pick out your stuff there too. But you know, mm-hmm. we're just not there yet. So I think it's going to take some very aggressive marketing on, on Candleland's end. I think it's going to take some really, cool representing videos to get out there to the masses through social media and other outlets to show people like, Hey, there's other, there's other ways to shop for cannabis besides just clicking on some different menu items, like a sushi style or going into your favorite dispensary where a lot of people don't like to go to dispensaries. Anyway, I know a lot of high powered people that like send their, their driver or or put a hood on, or that they just don't want to be seen going into a dispensary. It's not the right look for them. So I think, you know, I think we're going to run some very creative marketing to try to get, user adoption. Um, I do think over time, many, many people end up in a metaverse type of environment, but I think solving real world problems with a web three installation is much more impactful than just saying, Hey, we create a metaverse, come hang out guys. I like, mm-hmm. that's why I'm so heavy into like the new play to earn gaming because it yeah. allows people to be in these, it's like almost a proof of concept for the metaverse, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like it's showing how an NFT actually operates as an asset. It's showing how cryptocurrency is a real currency inside their virtual world. So it's almost like a, a test or a use case for what the metaverse can become. But there's a real there's a real reason you're playing because you're you're monetizing your gaming skills. So I invested heavily in that space because I believe in it. And I think eventually all these roads do lead to people hanging out and doing family reunions all, while they're all over the world inside of a digital you know conference room. But I think it's going to take a long time to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that answered the question. No, and I think that was a good question that you asked. Like, uh, what are you doing? You know, right? Like, like, what are you doing in the metaverse? And, um, the the answer that you're posing, like the shopping experience, like that's a good answer, I think. And another answer, uh, like uh, some buddies of mine are developing a software that allows you to brainstorm, right, in a, in a virtual setting where you're like brainstorming, collaborating, building. It's like synergistic. Together. You know what I mean? You're feeding off each other. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. And situations like that make sense. I don't just build chicks. I'm like, hey, this looks cool. I'm like, hey, what problem are we solving? Like, if we're Mm -hmm. not solving a real world problem that's a serious issue, then I just, I don't have any interest. Like, for Axie Infinity, the play to earn, you ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. So at, at any given time, like when that thing was hot, there was 3 million users playing that game because they were making so much money. You go to like the Central Land or Sandbox, there might be like 80 people hanging out in the whole world. Because there's nothing to do. What do you do? Yeah. yeah you're not making money. Good. If anything, you're spending money. But mm-hmm. it's just, we got to we gotta baby step into that. Like you got to have other things, that pull, other reasons that pull you into a digital world. It's not just going to be because you feel like hanging out. So yeah. I think shopping, a better retail experience, play to earn gaming, a virtual reality type of entertainment, like things like that will probably be what pulls us in and then people get very accustomed to it and they start hanging out there. And like I said before, listen, I love the real world. I love real experiences. Like I'm I'm not the guy, but I see where the future, I see where things are heading and I'm betting on it. Mm-hmm. But for online shopping, I, I love a more immersive experience. I don't want to buy clothes on a flat screen where I, like I'd rather have an avatar inside of a virtual mall and he has the same exact you know dimensions I do. So when I try on a pair of clothes with that avatar, I know exactly how it's going to fit on me when it shows up in my house. Mm-hmm. That's that'd be a game changer. Like, 
You know, my girlfriend orders a bunch of clothes online and has to return 70 percent of them because they don't fit her right. Yeah. So are there any limitations to the shopping experience? So like as as people are buying things online, um, especially when it comes to the cannabis, are there any li um, well, yeah. limitations based on where people live? Yeah, of course. You got your geotag, right? So like you can't be in uh, Ohio and order cannabis in California. Um, so you have to be in California to shop in California dispensary. So there'll be no crossing of state lines until the federal government allows us to do so. So you're kind of geo boxed into whatever jurisdiction or state you live in and the legalities of that state. But okay. in the future, I could see this being the front end retail component of cannabis. And there's just massive distribution centers in strategic locations that just distribute similar to the Amazon model with the big fulfillment warehouses. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I, I foresee brick and mortar retail shopping becoming archaic over the next 10 to 15 years. I, I see it becoming a thing of the past and it's a waste of time. It's not efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's the biggest part. Like, yeah, there's always the argument of like, you know, taking away from a real life experience, but um, like the experience of going to the mall, you know, sitting down, spending time with your friends, this kind of thing. Um, yeah. that. But, but like, you know, how much when, when I was a kid, the mall was the spot. Like there yeah. was, celebrities would show up there like the saved by the bell tour back in the day it was a big the malls were like the hangout for middle middle school kids like middle-aged kids if you go to a mall now like it doesn't look anything like when i was a kid you know kids are at home with their ipads and their their iphones and and they're chilling they're they're doing their snapchat and twitch and whatever else they do right so like just things are changing and you know yeah. malls were dope i loved going to the mall i used to beg my mom to drive me my friends to the mall but i just don't see that same thing going on anymore really like i did yeah and what my answer to that is always that it's a new generation and a lot of people are meeting online they're encountering online and they're looking right. forward to that moment when they meet it when they meet in person it makes that moment when you meet someone in person that much more special because you you might have met you know in Canaland or on some other online platform and got to know each other like personality wise a little bit just through conversation or through each other's avatars or you know that kind of thing and then you end up going to the same conference because you have similar interests or you actually put in the effort to like meet this person like go visit them or you know meet up somewhere and um like those moments are special for for this new generation that's coming up and it's just a new way of like meeting and socializing it's just different like it doesn't mean it's better or worse right it's and it's like is that taking away from the actual human interaction? Are there less human interactions than there were before? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, it's vice versa. Like you might meet someone in person, but then you start texting or you start like, right, right, right. You know, it goes, it goes both ways. Right. So in this case, it's just putting virtual first and making it easier for people to connect. Yeah. In virtual setting. You definitely with other people, but with brands, products, you know, all of, all of those things. Yeah, you have the opportunity to connect with so many more people and things than you would otherwise. You could never create that footprint in real life without the digital connectivity of it. You're right. I never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that and that's the that that to me is really like the the reason and and yeah. the counter argument for anything that they might say as far as like why why it's not good or it's different or it's like limiting human connection. I would say it's it's kind of the opposite.
It right. You have to look at it from a, a bit of a different lens, you know? Yeah. You just got to turn it the other way. Right. You got to flip the camera around, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Like you can connect with so many more people and things like in different countries, different cultures, different worlds mm -hmm. that you would have never even known existed otherwise. So no, that's yeah. pretty cool. And I think that's really driven by fear. You know, people see something new that they don't necessarily understand. They think it's taking over humanity or that it's limiting people from connecting with one another, but it might actually be amplifying. It, yeah. You know, no, I think you're onto something here. Yeah. I mean, I, I work a lot. I'm, I'm here in Miami working in uh, web three and crypto quite a bit. So it's like, I'm excited to be in the space. I work a lot in, I'll come from traditional product design, working with cannabis companies. Okay. Um, but, but getting into web three, especially on the creative side has opened my eyes to so much. Um, totally. In like the past, the past couple of years. And so it's, it's a. Uh, I definitely see the future in it for sure. So, uh, it's it's really privileged to talk to you today and for our listeners to hear from you. So thank you for being hey, on the show. My pleasure, my man. Anytime. Absolutely. So where do we learn more about Candleland, or where can our listeners go to visit and find out? Uh, there's a there's a website, Caniverse.io. Um, there's uh, social media pages, TikTok, Instagram, and I think they're just Candleland. I believe um and then um yeah i would just i would just stay in tune with uh with those social channels and that website and we'll you know as we make progress we'll be giving the community updates and we should be launching the token soon and we're uh working on building out the uh the web3 metaverse as well well i for one i'm looking forward to all of that and i think our listeners will be too after they hear this episode for sure that's what's up so you can download episodes of design this beyond the die line Look for all of our episodes by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Until next time, always think beyond the deadline. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.